July 7th, 1903. Joseph Stalin is sent into exile in Siberia. He was heard to say, This gives me the best idea. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest for our very, very special first year anniversary episode uh, is our very old friend, our former co-host on our podcast and our comedy show. Please welcome Mr. Pat Madaw. Hi. There we go. <laughs> yep. Succinct. Yeah. Polite but firm. His only Pat contribution Mad- the entire episode will be that. <laughs> That's it's a great podcast, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's turning into a roast really much quicker than I had planned on. <laughs> we discussed this, Zach. It's like, hi, guys. Yeah, fuck you. Anyways, uh, if you are new to the show on this podcast, we recount a story uh, of a person or event from history. We give the real version, and then uh, one of us gives a fake version. At the end of the show, we vote on which is going to be the true version of history going forward. And if you were listening to our last episode, Marquis de Lafayette, uh, you may have been able to discern that the real history won out, uh, despite Ben Bryant's um, richly detailed, mm-hmm. <laughs> richly detailed alternate history, which is well worth a listen to. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it involved huffing paint. Yeah, it was chaos incarnate, and yeah. it just could not exist. <laughs> he was a weird proto-Batman, I believe, was the... the <laughs> The determination. Yeah. This week we are discussing the Culper Ring mm-hmm. uh, as we begin to wrap up our Revolutionary War coverage. So, Zach, you're doing the true story? I am doing the true story. Pat, you're doing the alternate? Yes. All right. We're all ready? That's true. All right. So, the, Culp- the Culper Ring was a spy organization during the American Revolution. Uh, it was actually named after Culpeper County, Virginia, which mm-hmm. is a place where Washington worked as a young boy. Um, and I guess he liked the name, but... I'm going to use this for a spy ring later, I yeah. think. He just... There's something about this name. I he just I took, need to name it, a spy ring. Takes out his spiral notebook. Like, I'm going to use this one later. Yeah. I got to remember this. Next to all of his Def Leppard doodles. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> pour some sugar on me. Yeah, originally... Of course, at the time, it's pour it some was sugar gonna be, on It me. was going to be his hair band at first, but then when he got older and realized he wasn't going to make it in the music industry, he's like, I guess spiring. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Culper Ring sounds like actually a pretty good like goth metal band, I feel like. Yeah. Somebody get on that. <laughs> what? I don't Listen write goth metal. <laughs> it's been a long time since I wrote any goth metal. So it was created under orders from George Washington, but the guy in charge was a dude named Benjamin Tallmage, Major Benjamin Tallmage. That's spelled M-A-D-G-E, not M-A-G-E. Is it, wait, is it? He was not a... He was I thought not, it was Talmage. Could be. <laughs> Looks like it's As spelled Tallmage. Tallmage, which is a very large wizard. <laughs> Looks like Tallmage to me, but... Yeah. All right. Talmage, Talmage, whatever you want to call him. He's in charge of the whole goddamn operation. (laughs) And he has essentially the thing starts in 1778 because during the first two years of the war, they had effectively no reliable spy system. um, And it kind of cost the war effort pretty heftily. They were unaware of certain movements among the British troops to... Well, they left New York originally and came back. And when they came back, they were deeply underestimating the British force. So Washington Mm -hmm. divided up his troops in order to counter them at two possible points, which was a horrendous mistake. (laughs) Ultimately, 
Uh, Washington, of course, being two kids in a very large coat, cannot always be held accountable for the true. judgment that would fall upon a, a whole adult. Yeah. It's um, pincer move. That's what they say in every right. movie when they're being like just a little bit tactical. I mean, <laughs> just a tiny bit. They want to throw a little bit of strategy at you. Mm-hmm. Say pincer move. Yeah. That'll, um, it works every time. For more about the, the pincer movement, listen work. to our Hannibal episode. <laughs> but, and, of uh, course, the sunset flip. They push the Americans out of Long Island. They land at Kips Bay and eventually push them completely out of Manhattan, where the British set up their base for pretty much the entire war that point forward. Because And the Americans have basically no infrastructure in terms of gleaning intelligence from the British wall. The British have a lot of loyalists who are located in New York who are filtering information to them. So it's pretty one-sided. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, Washington worked to set up this ring of spies who could report inside information of the British back to him. It's said that over the course of its run, the Culpeper ring, the Culper ring, it's just Culper. I mean, it's a shortened it's version Culper. of Culpeper, so it, it doesn't. Is. Well, they informed Washington of a surprise attack on the forces of General Rochambeau, which was a French general who was aiding the Americans, um, who they planned to attack as soon as he landed in America. A scheme to counterfeit American money and devalue it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an attempt to kill George Washington himself. And Benedict Arnold was uh, partially uncovered by members of the Culper Ring. Mm-hmm. They did a lot. Good job. Partially uncovered. Yeah. Um, I assume that means they, take, they took his <laughs> pants off. Yeah. The, the inflection you had on partially uncovered was a little bit partially uncovered. Ooh. 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 Sexual. And in yeah, fact, I'm not a very erotic person. <laughs> TM. There was an early spy named John Honeyman, who some believe was responsible for Washington being able to the uh, win the Battle of Trenton, which is the crossing the Delaware battle. That's again like a character from a romance novel about John Honeyman. John yeah. Honeyman. The name's yeah. Tall Mage Honeyman. Yeah, exactly. There's no way any of this is real. <laughs> these are D and D. These are D and D character sheets if I've ever read the alternate them. History. Yes. Nobody's dexterity. They're even, yes, they're not even trying. You've caught me. This is actually my revolution slash fantasy themed erotic novel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pitching it to you guys to see if maybe I have a chance with a publisher or I'm the wrong person to ask. But yeah, I think I'm on. the right person to ask. <laughs> and read on, sir. Mm-hmm. So they were stymied for a while and actually getting anything set up, but they eventually found a fellow named Abraham Woodhull. <laughs> <laughs> really? H-U-L-L. <laughs> H-U-L-L, not H-O-L-E. The damage Okay, is done. so back then they named people like... James Bond screenwriters name women, I guess. But <laughs> Woodhull is the the money pussy of the Revolutionary War. Woodhull, no, that's way too on the nose. That's literally just where you put your dick. Um, he was a friend of uh, Tall Mage <laughs> from and from Child Bean and Honey Honey Bun and. <laughs> <laughs> who actually had recently been brought up by American forces on charges of illegal trading, which I suppose may have caused been a pretty good cover for him. Like in terms of navigating the British, I think a good thing to say is, oh, they consider me a criminal and had me arrested. I think that would make them think maybe you didn't have a lot of love for the American forces. Yeah. Right. But like uh, he didn't actually live in New York, but he would travel there frequently. Like bubbles. Yeah. In a, in a way. 
and In a very small way. Yeah. While visiting New York, which every time you came through, it, uh, like a battalion would, uh, like often he would be questioned by British troops upon entering New York City, which actually made him ex- increasingly nervous as time went on. But uh, he would take notes, detailed notes about the size of the British troops, things he might have overheard, um, the number of ships they had, if they were loading ships, things like that. His real asset was that he was an extremely meticulous note taker. <laughs> um, That's really the best asset any spy can have, but yeah. no movie can glamorize that yeah. at all. And he would pass it on to a series of couriers who would eventually get it. Well, they had a number of dead drops in Philadelphia, just in the middle of a field. And mm-hmm. it's said that one of the members of the Culper Ring was a woman named Anna Strong. Who, whenever a new uh, message had arrived in town, right, she would hang a black peacoat on her washing line, and then she would hang between one and six white kerchiefs, and that would denote which of the six drop points mm. the message could be found at. That's pretty good. That's genius. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, she may have been another agent for the ring called Agent 355, which was yeah, that's tall. That's cool. Yeah, that's Talmage's uh, code word for lady, apparently. Wait, what? A lot of people had numerical code names. It's a 355. Um, it's like Ray J143. That's sort of a dated reference, but it's like a thing that I think it's some sort of textual thing. That may have been her. It may have been another woman, too, who was more, possibly even more influential, but the details about her are pretty vague. To be frank, none of this was public knowledge until the 1930s. Oh, wow, that late? Okay. Yeah. So people didn't know about the Culver Ring at all until really relatively recently in history. Of course, Tall Mage had uh, uh, a code name. It was John Bolton. Um, <laughs> I said Tall Mage wasn't the code name. <laughs> yeah. No. It was less glamorous. Call me Tall um, We rejected your other code name, Scrote M. Balsack. <laughs> Woodhull was... Woodhull was... Uh, Sam Culper Sr. And the guy who replaced him, a man named Townsend, about not a lot is known besides his involvement in the ring, was named uh, Sam Culper Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime you take over someone's old job, they just change your name and add Junior the third to it. And of course, the big man, Georgie Wash. His code name was 7-Eleven. And that is why there's a series of gas stations named 7-Eleven today. (laughs) That part isn't true. <laughs> okay. But it could be. I didn't research that. Wait, the part about his code name isn't true or the part about the gas station? The code name was 7-Eleven. Okay. I mean, it has to stand for something. And why wouldn't it be George Washington's secret of code course. name and aspiring well, that existed? Why wouldn't it be that? centuries ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, they originally, they originally sold slave teeth. So Maybe George Washington just loved to gamble. Is that a like thing? Crap, 7-Eleven? That's what I think 7-Eleven's named for. Is really? I don't. I feel like that's also unlikely. Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven. Seven. That's. Are you having a stroke? What's happening? <laughs> There's some more words at the end of that part of the Ice Cube song, but oh uh, yeah, they might be named he's playing dominoes. He's rolling rolling bones because I've, it was originally open seven days a week, eleven hours a day, which is not that impressive by modern standards. Oh, that's the reason. Maybe. I thought oh. it was open from like 7 to 11. Really? That's even less. 7 a.m. to 11 p.m.? Or yeah. 7 a.m. to, to 11 a.m.? Like 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Or 11 p.m. 
to, I guess that wouldn't work. 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. <laughs> In any case, <laughs> 7 p.m. to 11 a.m. maybe. This discussion has no bearing. <laughs> it's the height of every member of the Founders basketball team. I mean, this team. is just going to have to wait until our episode about 7-11. Oh, of course. <laughs> our entire chapter on 7-11. Yeah. Um, but Townsend was eventually put up on suspicious, like a, a privateer who was arrested by the British named uh, Woodhull, actually. As, Woodhull Jr. Was, um, it, was it someone, the same Woodhull? Separate yeah, Woodhull. the same okay. Woodhull. Okay. As someone who he believed was involved in suspicious activities. So well, the, yeah, with the name Woodhull, you're of course involved <laughs> in some... The British came to his house, which he wasn't home at the time, beat the shit out of his father. Ah, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Why was that my reaction? <laughs> I might as well have just got up to bar the door. <laughs> they later uh, questioned him, and Woodhull became increasingly nervous as time went on. There was another incident where um, a correspondence from George Washington trying to figure out who should replace Woodhull because he was becoming too hot, I guess you could say, in the British eyes to continue being their number one spy was captured by British intelligence, but he did not name Woodhull by name in it, fortunately. Because he, um, he couldn't <laughs> stop giggling. <laughs> but they did use that letter to find Tall Mage's camp and uh, steal his horse and a few other correspondents. Again, fortunately, Woodhull was not mentioned by name in any of them, but he was eventually replaced by a name, man But they just stole his horse. They did steal his horse. That's amazing. <laughs> he was eventually replaced by a man named Townsend, who was less suspicious because he actually had business in New York instead of just being a frequent visitor, which was something he used to his advantage. And he basically carried out uh, the role of the primary spy in the Culper Ring inside New York for the remainder of the war. Like I said, there were a lot of smaller operatives, some of whom are known nowadays and some of whom just aren't. Those were like the main, the main fellas. It's also worth noting that Townsend also, on several occasions, was grievously questioned and even detained by the British. So it was relatively dangerous works. Mm. There's accounts of the couriers being um, uh, having to fight British horseback mounted troops. Oh, I thought you were going to say British horses. <laughs> yeah. And Anna Strong was also uh, a person of interest, according to old British records from the Revolutionary War. Mm. There was also a sort of kind of connected person with the Culver Ring named Hercules, Hercules Mulligan, Mulligan, who <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Hamilton fans will was primarily a lone operative, but sometimes worked through Townsend to send his messages along to George Washington. Um, he also was believed to have discovered a plot to kidnap a bunch of governors and shit that the British had. Mm -hmm. That's ascribed to Hercules Mulligan as, as uncovering that particular plot. He was one of the very first, in 1765, one of the very first Sons of Liberty to join that group, like, well, ten, over 10 years before the war began. I love that band. <laughs> he was part of the mob at Golden Hill after the Boston Massacre. Like, he was hardcore, like, revolutionary. Total revolutionary scenester. And <laughs> in 1773, he took in a 15 or 16-year-old Alexander Hamilton to his home. Mm -hmm. where um because hamilton had just arrived in the united states from another country and was an orphan and it is said or at least what i read was when he first arrived in the u.s hamilton was actually in support of the british and it's largely hercules mulligan who helped shape his worldview to uh come around to the revolutionary side of things 
there's some there's some dispute on that and i'm mainly going off of like the ron chernow biography which that basically states that hamilton was supportive of the american cause or at the very least agnostic on the cause until he became a supporter of the revolutionary or, americans i yeah. well uh hamilton was actually the one who recruited him as a spy for washington mm-hmm. later on and originally his correspondence was done through hamilton but I can't mention Mulligan without also mentioning Cato, which was ostensibly mm-hmm. Mulligan's slave, though in every writing he has of him, he seems to call him like a friend, like his most loyal accomplice or friend. Like it's very mm. affectionate terms. Sorry, not to interrupt. Mulligan later on, along with Alexander Hamilton. And John Jay, the first Supreme mm-hmm. Court Justice of the United, uh, Chief Justice yeah. of the Supreme Court of the United States, founded the New York Manumission society which was one of the very first abolitionist societies in the country Mm -hmm. so it is theoretically possible that his description of cato as a slave is either exaggerated or i like to think that it's possible since there's not a lot known about cato yeah that it was a convenient way for them to work together while they were spying on the british in new york Mm -hmm. Um, it seems almost certain that cato was if, if he was a slave was freed because obviously he founded an abolitionist society yeah or as we sometimes have to confront with figures from history mm-hmm. uh, in this period, even figures we like and admire, that they did enslave people. And that that's possible that that is just straight up what happened. But any of those stories could be true. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think that their relationship was, n- was not as master-slave as it seems, since there's just not a lot of evidence supported either direction i feel like mm-hmm. but that may just be wishful thinking more buddy um, cop relationship right, yeah. exactly. one but he also foiled another washington assassination plot or at least uncovered the evidence of it and uh the two of them were questioned they were suspicious persons they were arrested a few times at which point he started going through townsend instead of hamilton because he couldn't get a direct link to uh to Hamilton in any safe way. Right. But, uh, yeah, they remained ardent uh, supporters throughout the entire war, despite personal danger, and probably foiled quite a number of the British Army's plans and attacks uh, against the the French and Americans. And that is what is known, at least, of the true story of the Culper Ring. Like I said, a lot of it is still, and probably never will be, fully understood because it was so intensely secret even washington did not know the names of many of the agents including two of the top ones like townsend well yeah because they had a secret number code for lady yeah (laughs) yeah uh zach thank you pat thanks if you are ready to begin sure yeah what zach said was largely true for the most part largely but he's leaving out a pretty significant part of the culper ring and that the culper ring was it didn't actually end in 1783, which is something a lot of people don't know, and actually continues to this day in some capacity. Mm. This mm. is so. This is like a weird Edward Snowden yeah. thing. So we're gonna get. We all know it's a popular it's a, restaurant. It's a that secret. We all go every day. It's a secret ring of secret spies acting secretively. <laughs> Therefore, there's a lot we don't know. But what we do know. There's a lot we don't know. That's the end of my alternate history. That's it. The alternate history is that it's still going on. The alternate history is nobody really knows. Now it's called the CIA. I know it's really alternate, but other than that, completely, (laughs) completely speculative. Mm -hmm. The Culper Ring was made up of mostly civilians. 
mm-hmm. mostly like farmers and things, people without any farmers military and things. farmers and things <laughs> farmers apostrophe n right things well traditionally if say a member of aspiring had been a member of the american military the british might have said hey maybe that Wait, member um, of the american military <laughs> might not be on our side <laughs> It's just yes. Ben Franklin in a wig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was Ben Franklin without his glasses. It's just like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he wearing a wet t-shirt? <laughs> Obviously, they don't have a lot of expertise. They may have meticulous note-taking on their side, but that can honestly only go so far. <laughs> They're spies. James Bond is a lot more... Sk- he has a much wider skill set than takes really good I'm just going to clarify something. And attention to detail. On a technical level, I know James, James Bond, Bond is, is on the British side. <laughs> oh, I was going to say he was a terrible spy, but he's also on the British side. And he's yeah. also fictional, by the way. We should also add that into the mix. I mean, we don't totally know that. Secret spies, secret alternate so, yes, history. On the British side, a terrible spy, and... Also completely fictional. Look, a lot of people can take you meticulous notes. Long history of misogyny and racism. We'll just toss that one in there, too. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He's like been five different dudes. We don't know who he is. Yeah. But if he's Idris Elba, it'll make up for everything. <laughs> so how were they able to acquire this intel? It's easy. They had central leadership from beyond the grave. They had friends on the other side? Yes. <laughs> As yes, it were. They, they had a friend in particular. Um, <laughs> Would you say it was perhaps a friendly ghost? He was a very friendly ghost. Okay. Well, I don't know about friendly, but he was a ghost of the purpose. Okay. Uh, the, unfinished business. That's like un- their whole thing. Exactly. You don't become a ghost without having unfinished business. And this ghost in particular came about... Through I know plans that because set in motion. My dad died right after signing that final deed of trust and never came back. <laughs> There's a lesson, guys. Finish your business. Yep. Or if you want to become a ghost, start a lot of shit and then die. Yep. Or if he like signed it but missed a letter and he came back, he's just like, let me fix that for you. <laughs> we don't recognize Fate this signature. <laughs> this central ghostly leadership was all part of a plan set in motion by Mary Todd Lincoln. Ooh. So the friend on the side was technically not born at the time. Technically. But the okay. deal is... But souls exist in heaven before they come to earth. Well, that's sort of... See, Mary Todd Lincoln, a lot of people <laughs> said that she was crazy, but a lot of people don't know the reason is because that she had vision into the ethereal plane. So she was able to see the time fabric and like see a what needed to happen in order for the U.S. to win the American Revolution, so, which they did. She like needed a, to ensure her own timeline. It's like a Haley Joel Osment situation? Like pay it forward? so she takes this kid out into a parking lot stabs him to death and is like hey there's the end of your movie yeah and then she's surprised because she could see his ghost (laughs) i really since this is a reunion episode you did bring up the end of pay it forward on our last podcast i remember i only remember that because i think you like this is a weird hill to die on yeah well it was just it was a pretty like well it, it had it was actually kind of a dark movie, but I remember that, like, I saw it at a young age. That part particularly scarred me. And so, now when anybody, like, oh. but the pay it forward term became <laughs> synonymous with it, like, hey, I bought a cup of coffee behind you at the Starbucks line this today. little baby like, afraid of getting stabbed in a parking lot. Like, I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty sure 
uh, Kevin Spacey or whoever is like the male lead in that movie got like set on fire by his dad in that or something. Wait, what? Yeah, this is, I think I saw this movie, but I do not remember it being like a torture porn. <laughs> Are no, you thinking of martyrs? It's basically torture porn. <laughs> and it and, <laughs> It's a prequel to the Saw movies. It's all about making people... <laughs> Pay it forward. The Saw movies, the killer's motivation is making people, like, enjoy their lives more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're very, very similar movies. When it it's comes like the to Tony Robbins <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Hey, enjoy the little things. Stab, stab. <laughs> um, His whole thing's like, if you survive this, you're going to be super happy that you're not dead. You want to play a game? Like, catch with your son? Or something, I don't know. Play a game. That's all. That's all that matters. I'm Batman. <laughs> it's a Batman jigsaw who really hasn't thought things through very well. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay, so uh, Mary Todd Lincoln knew what she had to do, and she knew that she had to send somebody back in time with uh, amazing moral conviction and fortitude and decided to send Abe back in time by erasing his future. Oh, oh! So it's unclear at from this point because it's a secret society, and we just don't we don't know a lot. There's so much we don't know. But what we do know is that Mary Todd Lincoln either uh, warged into John Wilkes Booth or uh, incepted him <laughs> somehow. Of course, <laughs> two incredibly she, reasonable explanations. Yes. She went, rather than she went back in time to, to, to before the Civil War. It is like, listen, John, do you ever see that movie Inception? I mean, and he's he was like, uh, what's the movie? Did you ever see that play Inception? Did you ever see the play Inception? My American Inception. <laughs> he was uh, quite the actor, as we all know. One of the quite most the famous actor. of his time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when she said he was the Haley Joel you have to of pretend to be really into slaves for the next. Five years ish. It's not going to be. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I feel cool. like there's a difference between being really into slavery and being really into slaves because one of those eh, fine line might support their rights. <laughs> so she wargs slash incepts John Wilkes Booth, Abe Lincoln's favorite actor, <laughs> and the last thing he sees before he dies is this guy that he's looked up to for five years. From an acting perspective, like they, you know, yeah, they're because obviously they're in different lanes of making it big on Broadway. But he's like John Wilkes Booth, oh my god! And he says Six Emperor Tyrannus and shoots him in the face. And he's like, why? And that emotional turmoil flung him into the ghostly plane from which he could carry out the deed of saving America from the British. So he saved America twice, really. Yeah, paradox, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when John Wilkes Booth says Six Emperor Tyrannus, he's actually not referring to Abe Lincoln at all. Mm. He's referring to King, King George. George plot the twist. What? It was a plot twist all Record along. scratch. <laughs> dog reaction shot. <laughs> That's an absolute dog reaction shot twist there. <laughs> oh. So... Um, so Abe... Enters the ghostly plane beyond temporal constraints. He returns to present-day 1770s America. And George Washington's like, I can't tell a lie. And he's like, yeah, me neither. And George is <laughs> Which like... Which is a really bad quality if you're in a spy ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's not doing any of the spying 
He's or he's just he knows all the secrets. He's the administrator. <laughs> Or receptionist, if you will. I, He's sure, a ghostly receptionist at the spy ring. George Washington is like, listen, I, I really I really don't want to be the fucking president. And Abe's like, True. well, I died doing what I loved, and that's being the president. Oh, I thought you were going to say watching a play. Watching a play as the president. I died doing what I loved, so getting I, shot in the head. So, so can I watch all this spy drama unfold? While being the president, George Washington's like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> wow, this is a really low period in G-Dub's lives. <laughs> he just wants because, to of course, win. two children. He's all about the W. He doesn't care about being president or seeing this through when it's over. Winning is easy for governing is hard. Hamilton. Sure. So, yeah, Lincoln just is the... Lincoln's the point man. Running all this stuff, he's the guy who's telling these spies, hey, maybe hang your sheets up in a way that people will know what dead drop we can go to. Mm-hmm. That's the thing so we did in the Civil War. He coordinates all Maybe of we the... could get an underground railroad going, something like that. I mean, that worked pretty so well. So he's kind of recycling ideas a little bit yeah. at this point. But he's not, because they didn't happen yet. Really, Think Tubman's the it. idea woman of the, of the culprit yeah, ring at this point. <laughs> I like to imagine Lincoln would give credit. Uh, Pat, thank you. So typically judgment would go here, but as this is a very special one-year anniversary reunion episode, uh, I put together a little callback to our previous podcast, The First World Privilege Hour, which we would always end with a trivia game. This is going to be Revolutionary War trivia? This this trivia is conspiracy theories. Okay. Okay. uh, In the theme of revisionist history, I Mm. guess. Right, right. Uh, this one is 10 questions long, so you guys are going to call out a number, 1 through 10. I'll ask you the question, and then there's a tiebreaker if we need it. So, Pat, as our guest, I'll give you the first choice. Six. And some of these are multiple choice, and some of these are not. <laughs> okay. What major U.S. airport is believed to be the secret headquarters of the New World Order? Dean, That's the IA. Yeah, it's just whoever asked. Wait, it's what? been a long time since we've done this game. I couldn't remember if we dinged in or if we... Oh, no. We oh. just say it. Yeah. Yes. And Denver International Airport. Way to show your hand. It's been too By long. saying ding. <laughs> ding. Zach? Uh, I'll take three. Three. Which of these was not blamed on Catholics in 17th and, 17th and 18th century England? A. Importing syphilis to London. B. Plotting to kill King Charles II. Or C. Sorry. C. The Great Fire of London, or D, none of the above. Oh. Not blamed on Catholics? Not blamed on Catholics. I'm going to go with... I'm just going to go with D. None, actually, there is no real record that they blame Catholics for importing syphilis. <laughs> but that was the a, second... That was the only other one that seemed reasonable to me. There's yeah. just sort of an underlying feeling. Like, there's a lot of syphilis and Catholics around. I don't know. <laughs> we know how they are. Probably the Pope's disease. <laughs> All right, Pat, your turn. Let's go with uh, 10. 10. The Philadelphia Experiment is an alleged effort by the U.S. Navy to make a ship A, invisible, B, invincible, C, inflammable, or D, incontinent. I kind of feel like it's A. That is correct. An alleged effort by the U.S. Navy to make a ship invisible. Just paint it blue. Think about it. <laughs> that... Why would they think about that? Yeah. That's why I name you Lord Admiral of the U.S. <laughs> Navy. <laughs> Zach? 
Uh, two. Two. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion is a famous anti-Semitic hoax that presents details of a false Jewish conspiracy for world domination. How many copies did Henry Ford distribute in the United States? Holy shit, Zach's going to get some pretty tough ones. Yeah. A, 5,000. <laughs> B, 50,000. <laughs> C, 100,000. Or D, 500,000. Uh, mm. Go none of the above. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, no way it's that round of a number. Fuck the system, Bernie. <laughs> Ford, he was an ambitious young man. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna actually go with D, five hundred. That is correct. Five hundred thousand. Well, th- yeah, the thousand's important. <laughs> yeah, five hundred thousand copies of an anti-Semitic forgery. Pat, your turn. Go nine. Nine. Former LAPD officer David Mack, a convicted bank robber, was sued for his alleged involvement in what famous killing? The Black Dahlia. B, the notorious B.I.G., C, Vince Foster, or D, Natalie Wood? Shit. I have no idea. Take a guess. What was um, all of them again? <laughs> a, the Black Dahlia, B, Biggie Smalls, C, Vince Foster, D, Natalie Wood. Uh, Natalie Wood? It's actually Biggie Smalls. Yes. Fuck, are you serious? That is correct. I'll just take number one. With a bullet. Which of these is not a theory commonly associated with the Kennedy family? Okay. A. Joe Kennedy rigged the 1960 election using dead people as fake voters. B. Ted Kennedy was involved in the death of Natalie Wood. (laughs) C. JFK staged the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, B. Correct. I knew it was either Ted Kennedy or that cop guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Ted Kennedy was already involved in drowning one woman. I think that's, I think that's plenty. <laughs> Once you drown one, you just can't stop. <laughs> anyway. Seven. Seven. What is the name of the secret organization that plotted to seize large parts of Central America and the Caribbean to create slave states? A, the Knights of the Golden Circle. B, the Pirates of Slaver's Bay. C, the Jeffersonian Brotherhood, or D, the Sons of the Confederacy. Some really great names in that. What was the Sons of what and Jeffersonian... The Jeffersonian Brotherhood, Brotherhood. and the Sons of the Confederacy. Sons of the Confederacy. Along with the Pirates of Slaver's Bay and the Knights of the Golden Circle. Knights of the Golden Circle. That is correct. Wow. Uh, who are also... <laughs> I just went with the coolest name. There's so many great ones, but that has knights in it. I, I, yeah, I tried to make the names cool. <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> Pirates of Slavers Bay seemed a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we love slaves, so let's just call ourselves slavers. Also, at this point, I should say that I did write this quiz with the help of my girlfriend, Jen, uh, who's fantastic and came up with a lot of the best responses. So, Zach, it is your turn. Four, five, and eight are left. Yeah, I'll take eight. Eight. Chuckles O'Brien, Frank Sheeran, and Richard Katinsky have all been accused or have claimed to be involved in the disappearance and murder of what famous labor leader? Oh, um, oh god. I mean, I know who it is, but I'm very much blanking on his name. Yeah, I know the guy, but it's like not coming to... Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, four and five are left. Four, please. Which of these is the title of an 1835 anti-Catholic novel which inspired the burning of a Boston convent? A. Among the Servants of the Antichrist. B. Drunks with Power, (laughs) C, Six Months in a Convent, or D, Archbishop and Jughead. (laughs) I'm sorry that I have to do this, but can you do the first three 
again. Uh, you don't think it's Archbishop and Jughead? I have a feeling it might not be, well, okay. unless Jughead went through time as well. <laughs> Among the servants of the Antichrist, drunks with power, and six months in a convent. Well, I don't think they had any power back then. Um, <laughs> and servants of the Antichrist. It's actually six months in a convent. Ah, shit. All right, Zach, last question. If you get this right, we do go to a tiebreaker. Mm, I feel bad about missing that gimme because I just couldn't remember Hoffa's no, goddamn Jimmy. name. Dumb. Wow. Dumb. <laughs> Turning into my father. Uh, David Ick is best known for A, saying world governments are controlled by lizard people, B, wearing a suit of turquoise to increase his positive energy, C, being a football commentator for the BBC, D, all of the above. I, mean, I don't know. Best known for implies one. But um, oh! I'm going to go with, uh, I'm just going to toss it all out there. I'm going to go with all of the above again because I'm not familiar with this fellow. Correct. There we go. Famous uh, creator of the reptilian conspiracy theory, which if you look up the article on reptilians on Wikipedia, there's an amazing illustration uh, <laughs> of a naked man next to a reptilian. He sounds like the guy like Luna Lovegood's dad was based on. <laughs> I will take your word for that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to a tiebreaker. All right. Because uh, uh, this is a... I'll, I'll ask the question, and whoever gives the best answer, uh, the closest answer wins. 168 people were killed in the Oklahoma City bombing. How many extra legs were found? We both give one answer, and then... Yeah, whoever's closest wins. 12. Oh, I was legit going to say 13. <laughs> is it Price is Right rules? <laughs> it is not. Uh, I'll stick with it. I mean, that was really what I was going to say. One. There is one extra leg that oh, has never really? been accounted for. Twelve is kind of a lot of extra legs. Yeah, I guess I that is really overemphasizing. Where these legs come from? <laughs> it's a morbid question to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. All right, so now it's come time for my judgment on the stories. I've been thinking about it throughout the trivia game, which was largely to buy myself time. And both stories are compelling. Pat, I feel like the alternate history, there's a lot that, well, we viewed it in one lens, especially like, say, John Wilkes Booth saying Six Emperor Tyrannus when he shot Lincoln, that in light of the alternate history takes on a different, very interesting lens. And Zach, the story of the Culper Ring is, of course, I feel like very exciting. That's why I wanted to do it. And it's full of people working in very dangerous conditions for a cause they believed in. So I'm a little bit torn, especially because I am, we touched on two people in history, I am reflexively very defensive of Lincoln and Hamilton. So who's your favorite, Lincoln or Hamilton? It's come down to this very simplified version. I mean, of the two, I'd probably have to go with Lincoln just because of Hamilton's stance on the Alien and Sedition Acts. Uh, But I mean, that's not really what this comes (laughs) come down to. Because it preserves a large part of the actual history, but allows us to maybe play with Mary Todd a little bit, (laughs) I'm going to go with the alternate history. Pat, thank you. Zach, thank you also. Before we go, uh, as always, listeners, you can leave us a comment or ask us a question on revisionistpodcast.com. While you're on your computer tube, you can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and review this podcast on iTunes, which... So many of you have done over the last year, and I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, there's one four-star review mixed in with a five, so we know at least one person is actually listening, <laughs> uh, which is great. Uh, but 
over the last year, thank you everyone who has subscribed and everyone who has listened for your support, all of our guests, and we look forward to growing the podcast and doing a lot more interesting stuff in the next year. Yep. So, Pat, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Zach, thank you as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, for everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.